It is Sunday, February 13th, 2011. This is U62 The Targ. Let's get it started in here. As we say in the radio business, if you put that on the radio, people will listen to it. All right, here it comes. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Why, what a little tiny microchip electronics broadcasting to the world through the miracle of the internet ladies and gentlemen this is u62 the tar now your host a man with a lifelong dream of getting paid to do this mark happen on this week's show we're chatting about air fresheners we're chatting about inception and the long-awaited release of pokemon 12 it's episode 4.18 little show little things so sit back, relax, grab yourself some warm root beer and a towel that's oh so fluffy. U62 the Tar, you're in for something special. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Cap is here, and welcome to this week's episode of the Targ. How y'all doing this week? I'm doing not too bad. For the past few months, I've been swept up in a dilemma. I've had my new car for a few months now, and I was thinking there's just something missing about this car, and then it finally occurred to me what it was. So I went up the Canadian Tire and I blew my Canadian Tire money on a little pine tree air freshener to hang from the rear view mirror. That's what was missing. I needed something to dangle from the rear view mirror and a pine tree air freshener would do quite nicely. Although I have been doing some shopping around online and it's amazing what kind of nerd stuff you can find to dangle from the rear view mirror of your car. You know, for example, for Dungeons & Dragons, uh, you have to use the special 12-sided dice. Well, I discovered online you can buy 12-sided fuzzy dice. How awesome is that? If you lean a little more towards the puzzles, while well, I've found you can also get yourself some fuzzy Rubik's Cubes. And if you're a big fan of video games, you can get yourself fuzzy weighted companion cubes from the video game portal. So there you go. Something I just might be seeking out in the future to dangle from my rear view mirror. But anyway, let's get to it. Uh, let's take a look at the movie news for this week. From all the corners of the globe, Hollywood, Tokyo, London, Winnipeg, it's time for the weekly movie news. All right, taking a look at the movie news for this week. First up, legendary composer Alan Menken. He wrote the songs for such legendary Disney musicals as Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin. Well, word came out this past week that he is going to be writing a song for Captain America. What the heck is the Disney animated musical guy doing a song for Captain America? Well, it's already been known that in the early part of the film, uh, the army declares Captain America to be too valuable an asset to risk losing on the battlefield, so they make him the centerpiece of a USO show. It is speculated that Mencken will be providing the music for that USO show. Really, really good. Of course, Captain America hits theaters this July. Speaking of the Marvel Universe, uh, we have a new addition to the Avengers movie. Kobe Smulders, who is the star of the sitcom How I Met Your Mother, has just signed on for the cast to play S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Maria Hill. In the comics, Maria Hill is a badass S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who occasionally resumes command after Nick Fury. For this movie version of The Avengers, they're telling us she's going to be Nick Fury's sidekick. Again, The Avengers movie, written and directed by Joss Whedon, 
coming out summer 2012. While we're still in the Marvel Universe, of course Jon Favreau, who directed Iron Man and Iron Man 2, has decided not to come back for Iron Man 3, so of course we're all wondering who's gonna take over. Well, the current top contender right now is Shane Black. Shane Black is a legendary screenwriter. He wrote the original Lethal Weapon, and for a period in the 1990s, he was the highest paid screenwriter in Hollywood. He made his directorial debut with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang a couple years ago, which starred Robert Downey Jr. So there you go, we have an in with that one. Uh, Marvel's still hoping for Iron Man 3 in 2014. And speaking of sequels, I know a good friend of mine really wants to know if uh, Marvel and Paramount are going to get round to G.I. Joe 2. And yes, they are working on it. They want G.I. Joe 2 in theaters for the summer of 2012. And they have narrowed the list of directors down to three. This is the short list of directors for G.I. Joe 2. Number one on the list, Jomé Collet Serra, who gave us the slasher films House of Wax and Orphan. F. Gary Gray, who gave us the action films The Italian Job and Law Abiding Citizen. And John Chu, who gave us the Step Up dance films and the Justin Bieber concert film Never Say Never. Gotta say, I'm not really too impressed with any of those, but if I have to pick one, it would be F. Gary Gray. Uh, the guys who wrote the hit zombie comedy Zombieland are currently working on the script. And as I said, Paramount wants G.I. Joe 2 in theaters for summer 2012. And that's the movie news this week. You Sixty Do the Dark has everything you want in a podcast. Scooby-Doo, Batman, and Weird Al. It's the holy trinity of pop culture. Download it today at chaosinabox.com. A single day without you Actually on second thought Well, I suppose I could Anyway, what I'm trying to say is Honey, you're the greatest Well, at any rate I guess you're pretty good Now it seems to me I'm relatively lucky I know I probably couldn't ask for too much more I honestly can't say you're an above average lady You're almost just what I've been looking for And I swear I'm never 
Just in time for Valentine's Day, there's Weird Al Yankovic's lovely ode to settling. It's called Good Enough for Now, here on U62 The Targ. Good afternoon, Mark Camp is still here with you. Yep, Valentine's Day is here again, and as always, I'm spending Valentine's Day alone. It's not that I do it intentionally, it just kind of happens that way. I've never been able to celebrate Valentine's Day with someone and all that that implies. Well, there you go. All I can do is just... Keep my head held high and keep bravely marching forward, I guess. And speaking of, I'll probably spend my Valentine's Day just doing what I usually do. You know, just sitting around at home watching some DVDs and all that. Actually, I was kind of tickled, you know. I have Inception on Blu-ray and I was watching some of the bonus features. I was actually kind of surprised at seeing uh, how they did a lot of the special effects for Inception. You know, as I've already talked about, Inception was a movie I thought was good but not great. But for a special effects junkie like myself, there's lots to drool over in that film. And watching the bonus features, I was absolutely surprised. In Inception, they actually did a lot of the special effects practically. For those who don't know the lingo, practical special effects are when they build huge mechanical rigs on the set and actually do as much of the special effects as they can live. For example, Inception's now famous scene of the freight train barreling down the middle of a busy street they did that practically. What they did was they took an old big rig and they welded the frame of a train over top of it and they just went driving down the street in that. How awesome is that? I thought it was completely computer generated. Or another thing they did. Uh, you know those uh, stairs that go around and around in a circle for infinity, right? Well, there's a scene in Inception where, you know, they're climbing a staircase like that to show you the paradoxes that can happen in a dream. Again, it was done practically. They built this special staircase, so when you looked at it from a specific angle, it would look like that optical illusion. And then they just filmed the actors climbing up it and used clever editing to make it look like they were going around in a circle. And the reason why they did that was so they could have the dramatic camera angle near the end of that scene so you could see how, ooh, it suddenly drops off. Again, how weird is that? But yeah, Inception, good but not great. It'll be coming to Fishing in the Discount Bin real soon. And speaking of Fishing in the Discount Bin, that's coming up next. You're listening to Mark Chaffis. It's clear to all of you that I am awesome. On U62, The Tar. <laughs> Every time I remember the t- 
Naked Ladies with Enid here on U62 The Tar. Good afternoon. Mark Cap is still here with you. Again, another song for Valentine's Day because BNL have long said that that song is about first love. Aww. But anyway, we should probably get to fishing in the discount bin. Fishing in the discount bin. Alright, let's get to fishing in the discount bin. As I've been saying for a couple of weeks now, we're working my way through my traditional Christmas films, so that means we come to that long-standing tradition in my family. When Christmas rolls around, you got to watch the sound of music. It's a grander tradition than just my family. 
If you consult your local television listings, I'm sure you'll find that it's playing sometime during the Christmas week. I think CTV has even made it a Christmas Eve tradition. What helps perpetuate this tradition in my family, though, is that it's my mother's favorite movie. Of course, whenever the family watches it, my mom tends to cast a depressing pall over the affair because when the song Climb Every Mountain pops up, she takes a moment to remind the family that she wants that song played at her funeral. But I digress. So ingrained in me is this tradition that The Sound of Music was among one of the first DVDs I bought for myself. Mom was rather upset when I packed it up and took it with me when I moved out a few years ago. She'd remind me every Christmas that I stole her DVD when I moved out and that she'd like it back. So a couple of years ago, I finally bought her her own copy, but enough of my mother issues. It means it's time to fire up the sound of music. I remember when I was first learning about the concept of a movie director and what a director does. It astonished me to learn that the director of The Sound of Music is a legendary director by the name of Robert Wise. He did another legendary musical, West Side Story, but for geeks like me, he's best known for his science fiction work, such as the original The Day the Earth Stood Still, and the still not as legendary but equally famous Star Trek The Motion Picture. Yep, the same guy who gave Captain Von Trapp his marching orders also gave them to Captain Kirk. The plot, in case you don't remember, tells a highly fictionalized account of the Von Trapp family singers. The film opens when we're introduced to the free-spirited nun Maria, played by the legendary Julie Andrews. I'm going to be saying legendary a lot throughout this review, so please just bear with me. Now, there's nothing wrong with being free-spirited, but it's not exactly a coveted quality in a nun. Not quite sure what to do with Maria, the mother superior sends her off to the Von Trapps, who are in need of a new governess. So she shows up at the Von Trapp Manor and meets Captain Von Trapp, played by that Canadian national treasure, Christopher Plummer. Von Trapp is an old military man and has taken to marching his children around like troops to keep them in line. Of course, this means the kids have started to act out in order to get their father's attention, and the target of their constant acting out is always the governess. Fortunately, though, Maria soon wins over the kids with her free spirit. Sadly, though, we never really get to know the kids' as characters. About the only one who gets some form of character development is the eldest daughter, Liesel, whose romance with the telegram delivery boy, Rolf, is one of the film's major subplots. So Captain Von Trapp goes away on business, Maria wins over the kids, teaches them to sing, and the captain returns, and he's infuriated with this lack of military discipline. However, once he hears his kids singing, it melts his heart, and he stops being a captain and starts being a dad. However, Captain Von Trapp has brought back to the mansion his girlfriend, the Baroness, and she soon becomes jealous of Captain Von Trapp and Maria's budding relationship. At a grand ball Captain Von Trapp holds one night, the Baroness corners Maria and points out that it's quite obvious that Maria has fallen in love with the Captain, and vice versa. However, she manages to convince Maria that the Captain's feelings are a harmless crush that will soon pass. Feeling all conflicted now because of her love for the Captain and her duty towards God, Maria runs away and heads back to the Abbey. The Baroness, however, is delighted that her romantic rival is gone and goes back to plotting world domination with Cobra Commander and Destro. Sorry, I got my Baronesses mixed up. The children have grown despondent that Maria is gone. The announcement of the Captain and the Baroness's engagement just deepens their funk. Meanwhile, back in the Abbey, the Mother Superior sits down to have a talk with Maria about why she came back. Maria tells the Mother Superior about her conflicted feelings, and the Mother Superior tells Maria that she should stop being such a pussy, and rather than run away from the problem, go back to the Captain, tackle the problem head-on, and get her feelings sorted out. Of course, though, the Mother Superior uses more nun-like language and sings Climb Every Mountain. 
So Maria goes back, the captain admits to himself that he's in love with Maria, and the Baroness decides to stop being such a bitch and steps aside so the captain and Maria can live happily ever after. The captain and Maria get married, and when they return from their honeymoon, they see that the Nazis have taken over Austria. The captain is greeted with a telegram saying he's been drafted by the Nazi Navy and he's to report to duty the next day. Another subplot that's been brewing is the captain has no love for the Nazis, so when he gets this telegram, he and his new wife decide to take the kids and flee the country. However, their escape is thwarted by the Nazis, and the Von Trapp say they were actually on their way to sing in the festival. The festival actually provides an excellent cover, and the Von Trapps run off as soon as they finish their final number. They hide out in the abbey, and the nuns help them escape. And here, near the end of the film, this is my favorite scene in the movie. The Von Trapps are about to run off when they are spotted by Rolf, who is now full-on Hitler Youth. The captain and Rolf have this very tense standoff as the captain tries to pull Rolf back from the dark side. When the captain asserts that Rolf will never be one of them, Rolf takes this as an insult and summons for his commanding officer. Rolf is lost. Actually, I just looked it up online. In the original Broadway show, when Rolf's commander arrives, Rolf spies his young love Liesel and tells his CEO that it was a false alarm. So maybe Rolf had some redemption after all. But then, by leaving that out of the movie, we now get the classic gag at the end where we see the nun sabotage the Nazis' cars so the Von Trapps had time to escape. And that's The Sound of Music, one of my holiday traditions now checked off my list. I tell you, it truly is a tradition. Some of my earliest conscious memories of television are of watching it. My earliest memory of watching the film is catching bits and pieces at my aunt and uncle's place one Christmas. <laughs> I even remember watching it in class in grade 8. We watched it dubbed in French for French class. I tell you, if you want to get a bunch of junior high boys interested in learning another language, forcing them to watch a classic musical is not the way to do it. And that's all for The Sound of Music. Fishing in the Discount Bin, brought to you by RentMoviesOnline.com. Is going down to the video store too much social interaction for you? RentMoviesOnline.com. We've got another couple of weeks to go until we're completely done with uh, my Christmas traditions, and then we'll get on to my New Year's traditions too. Man, I got a lot of traditional films. Good afternoon, Mark Camp is still here with you on U62 The Targ. But when it comes to traditions and films, we should get on to one of my newer traditions. I am so thrilled. This past week, a movie I special ordered online finally arrived in the mail. I finally have Pokemon Arceus and the Jewel of Life. If you're keeping score, that movie is Pokemon 12. That's right, I currently have all 12 Pokemon movies. In other news, there are 12 Pokemon movies. Today's baffling question, why the fuck do I own all 12 Pokemon movies? It's a show I don't even watch that much anymore. You know, it's on at 2 in the afternoon on a Saturday, and I'm usually finding something better to occupy my time at that time of day. But you know what? Still, I have to get all the Pokemon movies. Gotta catch them all, someone said a long time ago, and that has been burned into my brain. So, I'm finally going to sit down and I'm going to watch it tonight. I think I even have my plans for Sunday afternoon. Apparently, Pokemon 10, 11, and 12 are supposed to form a trilogy. So that means Sunday afternoon, I'm going to watch all three back to back to back. And you know what? Sadly, this is not the end of my collection. For this past summer, Pokemon 13 was in Japanese theaters, and Pokemon 14 is scheduled for this summer coming up. 14 Pokemon movies. 
Gotta catch them all, gotta watch them all, gotta own them all. And that'll do it for this week's episode of U62 The Targ. Don't forget to explore every other facet of my online empire. You can check out my blog at chaosinabox.blogspot.com. Follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash chaosinabox. And don't forget the main hub of it all, chaosinabox.com. I'm Mark Kappas. This has been The Targ. I will see you next week. of another exciting episode of The Targ. Don't forget you can download a new episode of The Targ every week at chaosinabox.com. The Targ is written and produced by Mark Kappas under the watchful eye of 42 Star Wars action figures. The Targ is a Chaos in a Box production. Okay, now maybe we can talk about bringing back Buffy the Vampire Slayer.